while i was growing up i don't think like like right, being a writer was like a little bit of a mythical thing so it felt like intimidating it felt hard but i i always had this uh, wish to write um and it took me like 7 years in a corporate job and feeling miserable <laughs> like like really feeling like a fish out of water in it to understand that i am the artist like i always used to question uh you know am i an artist you know i like 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 a lot of i think indian kids of my you know like my generation i grew up you know having only uh very conventional avenues for uh, you know career being available to me so and i was always questioning am i an artist am i an artist uh why does working in uh, a 9 to 5 feel so so hard for me and i think i realize it's because <laughs> i'm the kind of person who wants to create something unique like it really matters to me that I, that you know that I, that what i make uh, it lasts uh, it affects somebody else uh, i'm able to express myself so i think my journey to writing has been uh, a really really long one Hello and welcome to Diary of an Indie Writer. Whether you're a previous listener or you're here for the very first time, my name's Jazz Hoti. I'm a writer, a poet, and an independent artist. And this podcast is my audio diary to document my journey, the conversations I'm having along the way, and what I'm learning as a creative who wants to make money from my art without burning out. I am delighted to bring you today's episode which officially marks the launch sequence for the release of my book The Indie Author. So to mark the launch I'm sharing three special fireside conversations with authors, six of them in total who contributed to the book. And this is the first of these three special episodes. These conversations were, believe it or not, recorded way back in December of last year, so 9 months ago. And so I'm extremely grateful to all of the contributors for the Indie Author book, about 50 in total. And especially to these six authors who've taken part in these fireside conversations and have waited with such patience and grace as I've navigated this journey of getting my first book ready. Today, I'm delighted to be sharing with you my conversation with Linda Polio and Ritu Kaushal. And now let me give each of them a brief introduction. Linda Polio is a consciousness doula and author of Trusting the Currents, a multi-award-winning Amazon bestseller in inspirational fiction. Following an accomplished executive career in advertising, Linda became the world's first chief consciousness officer for global futurist marketing consultancy, infusing the human technologies of wisdom, intuition, compassion, empathy, forgiveness, and gratitude. into corporate culture. She has studied in many spiritual, wellness and energetic disciplines. As founder of Hearts of Fire Consulting, she supports businesses and individuals intent on setting hearts of fire with positive change, inspiration and meaningful communication. Linda is particularly committed to the ideation, strategy and languaging of our current global transformation. She recently moved from New York City to Sedona, Arizona. 
And Ritu Kaushal is the author of the book The Empath's Journey, which TEDx speaker Andy Mort calls a fascinating insight into the life of a highly sensitive person and emotional empath. Ritu is a silver medal awardee at the prestigious Rex Karamveer Chakra Awards, co-presented by the United Nations in India and given to people creating social impact through their work. Ritu writes about highly sensitive creatives on her website, Walking Through Transitions, where you can also get two free chapters of The Empath's Journey by signing up for her newsletter. I really hope you enjoy this conversation between the three of us, with Ritu and Linda talking about their writing, their writing journeys with their respective books, their experiences with self-publishing, their experiences with marketing, and a lot more. Before we get started, the Indie Author book is going to be released, as I mentioned earlier, later this month. That's just in a couple of weeks' time. Once it launches, it will be available at a discounted price for just a few days. So if you don't want to miss out on that, so if you don't want to miss out on that, head over to www.indiewriter.net where you can subscribe to my newsletter and you'll be the first to know once the book is available for sale. With that being said, here it is. I think we're about ready. I'm so pleased to bring you the first of these very special fireside conversations for the launch of the Indie Author book. Here it is, my chat with Linda Polio and Ritu Kaushal. We are recording. Um, Linda and Ritu, thank you both so much for, yeah, I guess agreeing to come together and do this. Thank um, you. I thought... No, thank you both. I thought to get things started um, in as many or as few words as you like, if you could just share um, some words about yourself and also your book. Um, and I, just because I can see you at the top of my screen. Oh, before actually, before we get, before you go into that um, on Zoom, in case you didn't know, top right, you've got speaker view and you've got gallery view. <laughs> gallery view switches it's on a whole screen and it switches between uh -oh. like, whoever's talking um okay sorry. so do you want full screen oh full screen you can choose whichever you want but what i what i personally like okay. about sorry gallery view is you can see all three of you on the screen and it's not doesn't keep yeah. switching um can you hit are you okay, Linda? Yeah. Yeah, I just had to move something. It was about to fall over. No worries. <laughs> um, Linda, would you like to- Yeah, I have us on gallery right now. Yeah, you have us on gallery. No, I, I, thought, I thought I'd just give you the option because not everyone knows. And the, the yeah, the, the custom one, it kind of just flicks between all of you and it makes me a bit dizzy personally. Yeah, I think um, this is better. So but yeah, I prefer I gallery personally. Um, it doesn't affect the recording, so whichever you prefer. Um, Linda, can you tell us who you are and about your book? Okay, hold on a second. No worries. My ears are very, I have small ears. These things don't stay in very well. Um, my name is Linda Palio, and I have written a book called Trusting the Currents. It's a considered a, a visionary novel in the, in the genre, which are books that um, express the evolution of the main character's consciousness as the story goes on. And I didn't 
know that it was visionary fiction until I won a bunch of awards in, in visionary fiction. Before that, I called it spiritual fiction because it has a lot of um, sort of spiritual information and messages and there's energetic frequencies embedded in the writing which bring the reader into their heart. So for me, that was a very spiritually oriented kind of context. Um, the book's been out for a few years. It's won a bunch of awards and it reached number one in inspirational fiction on Amazon. It's done pretty well. Um, it finds its audience, which is what I think a lot of these kind of books do that have a spiritual basis. They find the people that would will resonate with the story. So um, I didn't expect to write a book. I just started hearing a Southern black woman's voice one day and decided to write down what she was telling me. And about two years later, I had the first draft. It took about 10 years of editing and writing the book before I realized um, that I was going to publish it. And I didn't really know how to publish it, but I had gone to the BEA, which is uh, the Book Expo of America, right after I decided the book was ready to be published. Um, I went to the BEA show and I took the manuscript around. I spoke with uh, publishing companies, with some agents, with some self-publishing companies, and with a bunch of authors who were there signing their books uh, for their traditionally published um, publishers. And um, when I would talk about my book to publishers, they would have no idea what I was talking about. They didn't know where it fit. It didn't fit into any classic genre. Um, the fact that I was a white woman writing from a black narrative was even more confusing for them. Um, then I talked to a bunch of self-publishing companies and really got a sense of what the experience would be. I spoke to Lightning Source, which is where I eventually went. I spoke to Amazon and there were a couple other ones there. And then I spoke to authors and all the authors were there with their publishing companies promoting their books to do signings. And I think I spoke to seven or eight authors and every single one of them told me that they were going to self-publish their next book because publishers basically would, you know, take the money and own the rights and not really do marketing, um, particularly if you're not an established author. I mean, it's very different if you're James Patterson or if you're someone that has a very consistent audience. Um, but I was a middle-aged um, debut spiritual novelist. And I decided that I had a pretty low chance of getting published at that point. Um, and one of the messages of the book is about self-reliance. So I really wanted to um, take that to heart and I decided to self-publish. So I went on a year and a half journey of hiring an editor and hiring designers to design the covers and doing all the business aspects that anyone who does self-publishing discovers, um, usually the hard way, because you don't really know what you're getting into when you get started. Um, it seems like it's not gonna be that hard, but then if you really want the book to be a book that is going to um, appear to be a traditionally published book and that people will not look at as you know, something that you give to your, your family members, um, it takes a lot of um, work and energy and unfortunately some money, but you can kind of you know, find the right people to help you um, get the book done properly. So that's what I did and it came out 
Um, I was in the middle of caregiving my mother at the time, so I really couldn't promote it. I just entered a bunch of book awards and it won all the book awards. And that was the first year and it just kind of has gone from there. And it's actually gotten stronger um, uh, than right now. It's, it's selling the best it's ever sold. And I think part of it, and I, I'm, I'm sure we two will sort of share the experience with her too, is that I think we're coming into a time for these kinds of books where people are willing to go to a deeper level within themselves and they're going through some struggle and they need to do some self-awareness work. And whether it's a nonfiction book, whether it's a memoir or whether it's a novel like mine, I think any of these books that are helping people to do deeper dives into themselves are kind of coming into their time. Um, my background, I am from New Jersey originally, but I spent most of my adult life in New York City, which still has my heart. Um, and I was in advertising and marketing for a bunch of years. I ran new business for ad agencies and I took care of my father for a year and had kind of an aha spiritual awakening um, when I was told to go to Sedona by a voice in my head and spent five months there. And that was a really big sort of mystical change for me. And I came back to New York deciding that I was only going to work with companies that were committed to doing good in the world. And that became a whole new business movement for me. I became the world's first chief consciousness officer, working with large uh, Fortune 100 companies to help bring the human technologies of wisdom, intuition, compassion, gratitude, forgiveness, and empathy empathy into their business models. Um, did that for a while and then my mother got very ill and I went into nine years of 24-7 caregiving, which um, took me on a completely different path. Um, but it was during that period of time that I, I finished writing the book and I got it out and um, I am now, my mother passed a couple years ago and in March, in the middle of the pandemic, I gave away 90% of everything I own, and um, I moved to Sedona, Arizona, which is sort of my soul home, which had called me 24 years ago, and where the book was written, and where um, all the nature that's in my book is my experiences in Sedona. So now I'm here, and um, we'll see where it goes. Um, and I'm still very committed to bringing Trusting the Currents into you know, the lives of people that are going through big changes in their life. Thanks so much. So much in there, which I hope, you know, we'll get a chance to unpack in different ways uh, over the course of this conversation. Yeah. Um, before we do that, um, we too, um, over to yourself. Yeah. So I'll take over from Linda. And uh, so my name is Ritu Kaushal and I'm the author of the book, The Empath's Journey. And it's uh, basically uh, around eight years ago, I moved from India to the US. And uh, the first few years were um, harder for me than I thought it should have been and it sort of brought back the ghosts of my being too sensitive like I was always called uh, too sensitive as a child and I felt like uh, my sensitivity was again coming in my way in adjusting and so that started me uh, on a journey back to understanding my sensitivity and uh, it was during that time that I read The Highly Sensitive Person uh, I was doing writing workshops on the side. I've always wanted to write for, I think, decades. <laughs> and it's been a journey to come back to my artistic self. But uh, as I was exploring my sensitivity, I started blogging about it. So around six years back, I started my website about sensitive people. And uh, that uh, 
became uh, a starting point for my book. So at, at a certain point, I felt like I couldn't talk about sensitivity uh, in a really deep way in just, you know, in just a blog post or, you know, even, even across many blog posts. And um, so I had, I'd always wanted to write, but I hadn't realized that I would uh, start with a book uh, which talks about something so personal. But I think I'm the kind of writer who writes from uh, whatever is happening in their lives and from a place of uh, really trying to explore and learn things for myself. So basically, my book is set in the first few years after I moved from India to the US. And it's about uh, uh, redefining my relationship with my own sensitivity, uh, what that uh, really looks like, how to set boundaries uh, with people, how to not uh, get affected by all the energy that I think uh, a lot of sensitive people can take on. So I think uh, it basically talks about a lot of the issues that I think uh, a lot of sensitive people deal with uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. So it's basically about being too sensitive and how too sensitive is um, just sensitive enough for you if you're a highly sensitive person. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. Um, and equally, lots in there that I, that I could ask. Um, something which uh, is coming coming to me now that I've, I've heard both of you um, give those introductions. How, um, I think, you know, Ritu, I know you've been, you've been writing a while uh, with the blog. Um, Linda, you mentioned, you know, this is, I think you said it was, you know, 10 years that you were working on this. What, what was it that drew you to, to writing? Um, and was there writing that, that you had done kind of, I guess, previously uh, were you uh i don't like to ask a question where you were a writer because i know there's so much that's loaded there not loaded within that term but did you write before you worked on these we too your your book yeah. and your blog and linda your um this this book of yours i know you've also got a blog um, so i've wanted to be a writer for forever i would say for a really long time uh, and i I think while I was growing up, like, like I, I was always a really, really big reader. Like I remember like I was like three and four years old and I uh, started reading on my own. I've read a lot of like age inappropriate stuff, <laughs> like my mother's magazines and things like that. So I was always, you know, that kid who loved, like I loved books, like, and I loved the world of the imagination. Um, but I don't, but while I was growing up, I don't think like, like right, being a writer was like a little bit of a mythical thing. So it felt like intimidating. It felt hard, but I, I always had this uh, wish to write. Um, and it took me like seven years in a corporate job and feeling miserable, <laughs> like, like really feeling like a fish out of water in it to understand that I am the artist. Like I always used to question, uh, you know, am I an artist? You know, I, like, like, like a lot of, I think, Indian kids of my, you know, like my generation, I grew up, you know, having only uh, very conventional avenues for, uh, you know, career being available to me. So, and I was always questioning, what, am I an artist? Am I an artist? Uh, why does, working in uh, a nine to five feels so, so hard for me. 
And I think I realize it's because <laughs> I'm the kind of person who wants to create something unique. Like it really matters to me that I, that you know that I, that what I make uh, it lasts. Uh, it affects somebody else. Uh, I'm able to express myself. So I think my journey to writing has been uh, a really, really long one. Uh, but I think the first, uh, probably the first story I wrote was like in my 20s. And uh, so, and, and of course, I didn't show it to many people. And it took, you know, I, I did, it took, it was a journey to even like, uh, you know, go out and uh, be part of like a writing workshop. I remember when I first did my first writing workshop in India, it was a huge deal for me to do it. Mm. But once I did it, I felt like I had arrived home. I felt like I had like these were my people, like this was my tribe. Uh, I remember going to, um, so, in, so, so in India, one of the big uh, literary festivals is the Jaipur Literary Festival. So I remember uh, during this time of exploration, I had gone there and I, I, I was there for three days. And I felt like I lived more in those three days than I had in the entire year of my <laughs> corporate job. Like I felt like, uh, you know, I, I felt like the breadth of who I was was missing from what I was doing. So I think the pain of not doing what uh, I, I always had a sense that I was, uh, that the that, that, pain kind of brought me back to understanding who I am, which is uh, an artist. Uh, and I say an artist because I do have many different loves. <laughs> I uh, also like to paint. I used to dance. So I was a classical dancer once upon a time. And uh, so I think writing, uh, one, I've always loved the world of the imagination. And second, I think writing is really for the voice. Like I feel like, paint, let's say, for example, painting is, uh, uh, for me, it's about the heart. But writing is about expressing your truth, about being in my imagination. So yeah, it's been a long, long journey. It's like I've done tons of workshops, uh, you know, before I actually even started my blog. And I think like, those little steps have kind of led to today. Yeah. Mm. So I don't know if that answered your question, but absolutely it did. Yeah. How about yourself, Linda? Um, well, I had a very different experiences. I had absolutely no intention of being a writer. <laughs> I, um, I mean, I did, I did do a lot of writing. I mean, my first memory, um, like we too, is my first memory of when I was five years old of what I wanted to be was an artist and a nun. And I was very spiritual from the time I was very young and I was very creative from the time I was very young. And I did have also a very active imagination. Um, but I didn't, I mean, my parents would have been very happy if I became a nun. But then as I got a little older, I went, okay, maybe that's not the best thing for me to do. <laughs> There's no boys there. So that was the end of that. Um, and, but the artist thing kind of stuck with me, but I, as I think it happens to many people who are in families and they have these artistic drives. I mean, I had absolutely no support. Um, 
you know, parents want you to go and, and do something that they feel is safe for you. I mean, they love you and they want you to be safe and, and they weren't artistic by nature. So I kind of let go of that over time. And I went into the corporate world and, um, and I did a lot of writing because I, I ran new business departments for ad agencies and, and it was creative writing because we're selling advertising and you have to use the imagination. So I would write, I was very successful in advertising and, and I did a lot of creative writing within that context of business writing. Um, and I remember the last full-time job I had as an advertising head, um, I was the head of, I was a EVP of corporate development for a very large agency. And when I took the job, I said to them, you know, I'll take this job, but I do not want to write 30 page RFPs, which is a request for proposal, which are these long drawn out um, proposals to get business. And they said, oh no, no, you won't have to do that. We just want you to do what you do best, which is connect in with people. I, I work with frequencies um, so I can connect into the frequency of a person or a project or anything. And I can kind of pull together what needs to be pulled together for that. So, um, but literally from the day I started that job till the day I left, all I did was write 30 page RFPs. And I remember being in the agency at midnight one night going, there has to be a reason that I am sitting here doing this because I just can't see it right now. And I really believe that it was that, that training of taking a, a story arc, which was at the time the story arc of an agency um, and their success and turning it into a, a 30 page document that then was going to be received by someone. That training, I think, actually helped me um, prepare for the writing of a book. Because if you had told me that I was going to write a book, I would have told you you were completely crazy. Because, you know, I could write a letter really well. I was a very good letter writer, very good small writing. But taking, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very good at starting things. Completion is not one of my strengths. Um, so I could start something small and I could finish it. But if it was too long, <clears throat> I would just lose interest in the middle of it. So um, when I started, um, I had no intention of writing. I was working on a project one day and a business project. And I just heard this old black Southern woman in my head say, it's not what happened to me that matters. And it was a very intense experience for me. Like it was like she was standing next to me. So I just wrote down that sentence and then I heard her and she said maybe one paragraph and I just wrote it down and then I felt her leave. And then I put the, I closed my computer and thought that was really weird. And then three or four days later, she came back again and she picked up where she left off. And so it would, it began, it began like a covenant. Like I felt like she wanted me to tell her story. Um, I didn't know what that meant. I had no intention of publishing it. I didn't know it was going to be a book. I just knew I had to write it. And um, it was a long, wild first year of um, channeling. It was basically channeling this first draft. And whenever she showed up, she would pick off where she left off. So I never knew what I was writing until I was writing it. And then a year into it, um, when I still didn't quite know what this was going to be, she told me to go back to Sedona. So I went back to Sedona. And that's where I finished writing the last draft. And that's where a lot of the mystical experiences that are in the book happened to me. Um, and so the first draft was finished in two years. And then I came back to New York and said, okay, I'm, I'm done. I'm going back to my life. I put the book away for a year, never expecting to go back to it until she started working on me again. And that's when I started the eight year 
um, editing process because I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't really know how to write. I mean, I could write a decent letter, but I didn't know how to write a book. I didn't know how to do any of that stuff. So it took me eight years. I, the book came out in heavy Southern black dialect, which then I had to kind of change the languaging a little bit. I'm, I'm very big on, on languaging and how you language something for the people that are reading it. And I, I wanted it to be something that, that anyone could read, that the language was very simple, but the context of the messages and the meaning behind it would, would be big. Um, so that whole process took me eight years. And then, um, you know, the, the rest is sort of history as, um, as I went into the whole self-publishing process and why I did that and everything. But it's been, you know, I, to a certain extent, it was, I, I think my writing was different from other people is that I didn't have the intention of writing. I had, and I don't really consider myself a writer. I'm really in awe of writers who write one book after another and they just have, you know, the story comes to them and they write and they just can write these things. And to me, it was, it was a very um, magical kind of um, very personal experience. And I don't know um, how I got it done, to be perfectly honest with you. But um, it, I feel myself more of a communicator who writes than as a writer. Like, I don't write to write. I write because I have things in me that want to be communicated. And writing right now is, um, is the way for me to communicate it. Um, yeah, so that's kind of, that, that's been my process. I think it's been very different, you know, and I'm still, I started another book, but I'm looking at it like it's an alien child and going, okay, she's given me some information, but I'm not quite sure what to do with you, honey. <laughs> mm, interesting. So I don't know whether, I don't even know whether I'll write another book, I, but I do feel like I was put on the planet to bring this book in. And it's a, it's something that, you know, brings people together and opens people's hearts. And it's been, you know, like you had found it. How did you, I don't even know how you found the book. I mean, it's been interesting how people around the world have stumbled on this thing and I don't even know um, how. That's a really good found. question. I mean, yeah. my first review on Amazon was from an Anglican priest in England who found the book three days after it was published. I hadn't even told anyone yet. And somehow he found it via Twitter and read it. And he gave me my first review on Amazon. Um, it, was, it just had a life of its own. I, th I think it must have been um, either Twitter or I think it must have been Twitter is how Twitter? I found it. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Twitter. The only other possibility I think would be like a suggestion on Amazon, but I'm pretty sure it was through Twitter. Um, okay. I think I told you this was cause I'm, I'm big into my nonfiction. Um, yours was the first right. yeah. book I read start to finish in years. Um, oh, I, remember that's you, good. I remember you replying well, on email saying, well, it kind of is like nonfiction too. I'm like, Linda, please, you're not going to take this one away from me. I'm calling, <laughs> it, I'm calling it fiction. Um, but yeah, and I think I was also really fascinated by kind of your energy and the vibe. And I guess the story behind, um, uh, and I, just, I think your openness and authenticity in talking about this stuff and how you channeled this. Um, I don't think you're, you're the first or the last person to, to write from this kind of, uh, you know, a channeling. I've heard it described as no. intuitive writing. But um, you, right. you own it in a way that I've not, often come across um 
which is really cool. Well, it took me a while to do that. When I first did this, I didn't tell people it was channeled because people thought I was a little nutty to start with. And I didn't want them to think. And plus, you know, the fact that the, that the characters are all African-American, they're all Southern. And, you know, I haven't really been to the South and I'm not African-American. And, and when I first finished the book and I started saying it around to agents, in the beginning, I was like, okay, I'll get an agent. And I had one agent from a big agency love it, but he wanted me to make all the characters white. And I said, because it's not a book about being black, it's a book about being human. It just happens that all the characters are African-American. And I had to honor that because I heard her voice and she was not white. So that was the end of him. And um, so it's been, it's been that sort of, you know, it's been a very unusual journey and a lot of interesting people have touched this book. And I'm actually talking right now, there's um, a woman in Japan who read the book who wants to get it published in Japan because she feels that um, she started an organization to help empower Japanese women. And she felt that this book, when she read it, really empowered her and she wants to bring it into the country. So we're, we're just, you know, we're kind of like in negotiation and she's talking, but it's, um, talking about it the has right. its, um, yeah, the rights, Good yeah, the rights to publish it in Japan. And of all places, if anyone had said this book is going to be published in Japan, uh, that would not be the place I would have thought would be the first place outside of the country. But what I've learned with books that are sort of, you know, you know, it's using the word spiritual, sort of a weird word, but that are um, deep, you know, deep books, you know, they're insightful, they're, they're intuitive, they're empathic, you know, books that really kind of touch people on a, on a deeper basis. Um, you kind of have to let them follow their own path. I mean, they have their own little way of finding the people that will resonate with them. And you're not going to convince anyone that um, to read your book, if, if it's, you know, different than what they're used to, and they think it's either, you know, too self-healthy or they're too, you know, it's, it's, it's a book, you know, and I, I think probably Ritu's book is like this too. It's a book that really has to be experienced. It's not something that you can easily explain. You can give, you know, like the elevator speech, but it doesn't really express the experience of reading it. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, that's why I don't think I could write another book like this. This was a singular story that wanted to come in and um, um, yeah and I don't think I don't know but you know because I don't I do I would have said didn't wouldn't have expected this one to come out but um, it, it's been important to me it's it's probably been the most um, meaningful thing I've done in my life except for the caring of my mother for nine years you know which was a very intense and sort of spiritual experience Mm -hmm. um, but, um, you know, and, and I know that's different from a lot of writers I and mean, then a lot of writers are just true writers. And those people, I really do have like enormous amount of respect because writing is not easy. It's, it takes you into places within yourself and outside yourself that, um, you, it forces you to look at parts of yourself, um, and fears about yourself, um, that you, probably wouldn't have looked at if you hadn't been forced to look at your own words yeah on, on that note actually um i'm currently uh i've been doing some work with the uh the shadow mm -hmm. 
And I read a book by Robert Robert Johnson, which has kind of introduced me to the concept. And now I'm just starting on um, something which a friend of mine recommended called, uh, I've got it here, Writing to Awaken by Mark Mm -hmm. Matusek. I don't know if anyone's come across him. I don't know if I'm saying his name correctly even. Um, I can just tell it's going to be fascinating (laughs) to go real deep. Um, And uh, yeah, when you do this work and especially, so so my friend who recommended this, she said uh, it it is quite deep. So just make sure you're doing it when you're feeling in quite like a grounded place. Um, But I think it's got this, it's just got this most amazing power to help us uh, grow and heal in like ways we um, don't fully understand and in ways that continue to surprise us um, and I feel, yeah I feel like you'll you'll both understand what I'm saying uh, we too from we've, we've kind of quite naturally quite nicely moved on into like um, I guess the writing process um, mm-hmm. what did yours look like um, we too because um, again I know this was very also very personal book to um, to yourself did do you call do you call this a uh, memoir a memoir yeah i didn't start off calling it a memoir and i didn't start off writing this book is a memoir uh, what i started off was was a book about being highly sensitive but it came from like a more intellectual place and mm-hmm. my idea was to kind of when i started when i had this idea and when i had this uh, feeling that i want to write write a book about being sensitive uh, I think when I started, it was a more intellectual book. And as I wrote, it became the book that it is, uh, it is today. Um, I had been blogging about sensitivity for several years. And I got, uh, I actually wrote the outline for the book in 2015. Then it took me a year <laughs> to, to actually start. Like, like I was constantly questioning whether I want to write this, you know. Uh, then I started in 2016. I had an outline, but I knew I was not the kind of writer who writes, you know, step by step in a linear fashion. I'm very much like an INFP. I keep on, I, you know, I like, like I, uh, I need to be attracted to something. I need to have... Uh, uh, the, a feeling that something is calling to me to keep me motivated. So I was not sure how I was going to do this because I'm not a linear person. Uh, the thought of writing a book without an outline, though, it completely intimidated me. So I thought that I do need to have an outline. So I did write an outline. But then what I did was, uh, as I wrote, I kind of jumped around. And I, uh, you know, like I had these, uh, for example, if I felt like writing um, chapter four and subheading two, uh, I would, I would uh, write that, that day. And then maybe, and maybe the next day I would write from a completely different chapter if that called to me. Mm. So what I did was, uh, it was like, you know, this coloring pages. So I had like this whole picture and I colored like, different bits and pieces of it. And then it kind of came together because I did have an idea about where I was going. Uh, But I think uh, uh, an outline is not a map. Like an outline is is just like a starting point. So the outline changed completely as I wrote. And at a certain point, I rewrote the outline. I redid it. Uh, And I wrote it 
over a little more than two years and uh, I did not write it in an everyday manner. So I would write really intensely for a few months then I would kind of fall down exhausted like I would be completely emotionally drained <laughs> and I would come back and I would write again when I you know when I had the energy and I think with the memoir um, and I did not realize that I was writing a memoir so I very very gradually made a shift from writing an intellectual book to a personal book and uh, I think with the memoir uh, I was also sort of teaching myself how to write a memoir because a memoir is not a journal. Like, like what I've written, it's not a journal of my first few years, you know, here in the States. It is basically a, a book that takes uh, certain, um, you know, events or little interactions I've had with people. And so I think the process was sort of like with every draft, I kind of went uh, a little deeper. I understood how I wanted to talk about things. And I think, uh, especially if, if you're writing from a very personal space, I think it's also very important to have like, um, understand like what your code of ethics is. Like, I'm not the kind of writer who would ever, you know, like name people, not, be, not, not just because of like practical <laughs> reasons, but I don't think it's ethical to talk about, uh, you know, people who like other people can't write a book about you. So, <laughs> so I, I don't think, uh, you know, I, I don't kind of subscribe to that, uh, you know, like the idea that just because it happened to me, I have the authority to write about it because I do think there are other people involved. So I think it is tricky sometimes to know how to talk about things in a way that would be helpful to someone else who was reading it uh, and would also be honest. So I think a lot of that process was about uh, uh, learning how to write it. And uh, I think with every draft, I went deeper. And by the end of it, I wrote like 14 drafts and possibly more. <laughs> <laughs> And I did not, I think I did not, uh, I felt like I built up a fund of strength through writing it. Um, like I did not, like I, I'm also the, uh, I used to be, I, I think I'm much better at finishing things now. But I think when I was younger, I used to be the kind of person who started things and didn't finish it. So I think I was really scared. And I've like, I had a, I really, really wanted to write. And yet I was really terrified through the entire process that I wouldn't finish it. Uh, but I think I proved to myself how I, how I could do it. And I think, uh, and I had some magical, uh, you know, synchronicities, magical things happened during the process. Um, my, uh, so my eyesight in one of my eyes improved. <laughs> As it actually went down by one point as I was writing the book. So I felt like I cleared out a lot of stuff uh, as I wrote the book. But that was sort of like the backstory. Like that was the journaling bit of it, which is not in the book. Uh, and I really, really, uh, yeah. So, so, so I wanted to write a book which read easily, which would be helpful to somebody else. And... Um, and I think uh, 
it's interesting because I think a lot of lot of writers I think are like me, especially I think INFP writers. I think we tend we are very private people, but we tend to write from a really personal space. Uh, I I haven't figured out <laughs> why that is. Uh, because I feel like it's a very, very like different thing because I, I, my book is a very personal book and yet I am a very private person. So there is a, there is this interesting thing. Uh, and I think it's possibly because I think writing helps you make meaning out of things. So I think you, as, as I'm communicating something to someone else, I think I'm also making, you know, ma making some a meaning out of it for myself. Mm. So, so yeah, I think it was a really long, yeah, sorry. It was a well, that's long okay. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm, um, I'm an INFP too. And for anyone wondering, these are kind of Myers-Briggs acronyms that we're talking about here. Um, I think we've got a real high need to what you said really resonated. It feels like we've got a real high need for, um, for meaning and for like authenticity and to really yeah. find our real selves in the process. Yeah. Um, yeah and express that not and you know i i do think yeah express that because i also i want to i want to be and come across as an authentic person but i used to worry so much about being authentic and for me now it's actually not worrying not not being concerned about being authentic for the sake of others and the validation um and the worth but more being the most whole authentic version of myself um, right. that yeah. in a lot of ways feels like um, like my life's journey mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. become <laughs> that most um, authentic, real, whole version of myself. I, I know what you mean. I think, so, so you know, like when I was in school, I, I don't know if you guys had a Renan Martin, like in India, <laughs> we had this grammar book. Uh, and uh, I remember, I think it had this... Uh, these lines by Shakespeare, and it's which uh, which I'm sure you've heard of. To thine own self be true, mm -hmm. and I remember how much they resonated with me as you know as a young young person. But I think it's taken me like a few decades to understand what that really means and why like that's so important. Because I think I think for some people, I think like. Uh, being part of a group and group harmony is like really, really important. But I think for me, <laughs> for, I think for me being, I think I can't be truthful to somebody else unless I'm truthful to myself. Like I feel like it, like my truthfulness to myself and to other people is really, really connected as a person. So, mm. yeah. Yeah. Really interesting. Um, one of the other things which, um, and I was, I've been listening really, I was listening really intently there. Um, one of the things that came up, and I didn't want to interrupt when you were talking about, um, you know, not wanting to name and have that your code of ethics, um, as someone who, um, yeah, I'm, I was British born, but Indian family and culture, yeah. um, were you worried or concerned at all about, um, others in your family reading the book um yeah, both from a, oh actually like was i talking about them there but also just i know how it is kind of even in my own family i um i can be quite private mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know 
So, so, I, so honestly, I haven't actually uh, written about them or really it's not a story about them. But of course, you know, uh, if someone reads the book, they are, it's open to interpretation, you know, like right. why I said certain things and why, you know, so all of that is there. So absolutely, like I was very, very, uh, I was very aware <laughs> of that. Uh, I, um, I was definitely very aware of that. So what I've tried to do is tell my own story in a way that um, I hope does not, um, you know, does not kind of uh, talk too much about all of that. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I was definitely, I was, I, it was definitely something I thought about. Sure. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. One of, one of the things um, I think why I'm particularly passionate about um, writing and perhaps in particular, you know, um, self-published writing um, is because, and from the, I, I had, I had a, something else I wanted to talk to both of you about actually after I, after I made this point, um, writing for ourselves, truly for ourselves utterly i believe utterly healing um and i think that i'm not saying that's impossible doing the traditional route but because there are so many pressures from people and you know commercial things one of those things being for example genre mm -hmm. but what i've and i wanted to ask both of you about this it sounds like from, from what i what i've received from both of you is that you wrote without having any particular genre in mind um and I think that's an amazing thing because a lot of the advice is, oh, it's got to, it's got to fit into somewhere. And it's a very kind of traditional publishing advice. But the downside to that is, I think it um, takes away from our own uh, process and own intuition and own authenticity. Um, yeah. So I wanted to ask how you, how you felt about that and whether you actually, did you give any, ever, ever give any consideration to a genre? Did you really just keep it? kind of distant because you like could you yeah I'm really curious to hear about that so I didn't uh, I, I, I didn't think about that at all I think when I started except that I thought that this would be like a non-fiction book I was going to so say I, so from, I, from what you describe about yeah. sensitivity intellectually it kind of found yeah. its way to a more um yeah just a uh, fiction, energetic, kind of your own imprint on it. And well, maybe mixing the two. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, so I knew it was, um, yeah, so I didn't actually think about genre like that. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I knew and, and I, you know, uh, uh, I had done research about, you know, how I would publish it because I felt like, you know, the thought, like I wanted to know the path ahead kind of a thing. Sure. Uh, and I, from whatever I researched and whatever I understood, I realized that this was not a genre which is like you know, like like I, like uh, in today's market, if you go by the market, I think romance is is like is the number one genre, and uh, so so a lot of people read romance, a lot of people read mysteries and thrillers, and the people who will read my kind of a book are not the majority. So once. I understood that and I still wanted to write this book. You know, I kind of let that go and I just, because I realized that, 
if I want to write to market, then it has to be in those, you know, in certain genres. Uh, and if I, if I, if it can't be, then, you know, then I have to decide. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I and I, I also don't think that you can kind of write to genre in a sense, because I think every writer has a specific voice. Uh, like I was talking to someone recently and they told me that, you know, you know, when they were younger, uh, they tried all these different genres. They tried like romance, but it just didn't like fit for them. And and, and now they write like thrillers. Uh, so I think trying to fit yourself in a box also doesn't work. Uh, unless unless you've made up your mind that you want to write like commercial fiction, like, mm -hmm. you know, genre fiction. Mm -hmm. uh, but but if you want to write, you know, but if you are an artist who wants to write from uh, write from an authentic place, you'll have from, to let from, go from of the that, heart. Basically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I see it as yeah, heart based writing from the heart rather than from up here. Yeah, yeah. Um and Linda it certainly came across for you that it came I, that would actually uh, ask you that. This um the, the 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 story that was channeled the voice that you heard um did that come from within you or did it come from outside of you well i mean the first sentence i heard um it's not what happened to me that mattered that was outside of me i literally felt like she was standing right next to me or in back of me and that's what was so i, I turned around and there was no one there and i went oh that's kind of weird and so I just write, I wrote down that sentence, but then every other thing she said to me was always in my head, but it was in her voice. It was not in my voice. It was in, it was an old Southern black woman. And it was, it, it was, I knew the difference and I would feel her presence. She had a presence to know she was coming because I would get this feeling of, I don't know how, how to, this is sort of a strange thing to explain, but I would get this feeling of a blue indigo abyss. Like it was an indigo color. It was kind of this, I felt like I was going to be going into this deep place. And when I would start writing, every time she would come and I'd have to write, it was very uncomfortable in the beginning. I'd have to sort of, I mean, I literally would wiggle around my chair and, um, and it was like jumping into ice cold water knowing that the beginning was going to be very uncomfortable. But then as I kept moving, it would, I would hit a current. That's one of the reasons I guess it ended up being trusting the current. I'd hit this current and that's where she was. And I would write and she would write and we would just write. And usually she only wrote with me two, three, maybe four hours a day. And then she would leave. And the minute I felt her leave, even if I wasn't done writing, if I tried to write more, I always end up taking it out. She was very specific about the story that she wrote, and and um, I tried. I would try changing the story, and she would say no. Um, and so I I really had to have faith, um, and I just I just made a commitment to her. I, I because it was such a mystical experience for me, and it was something I'd never experienced before. I just made the commitment. I'm going to do this. I didn't know I was going, I didn't know I was writing a book for a year. I just felt I had to write her story. And then it wasn't until she said, come back to Sedona, where I went, okay, I think this might be a book. And so, because I didn't have any chapters. I wrote 
in the beginning, I literally, the first draft had nothing. It was just one long stream of writing. And then I went back in and I put it into five parts. And that's how the book was for when I, when I put it away, when I got back from Sedona the first time, because I was all kind of in this ethereal, weird world that I needed to go back into my own world because um, I was a little batty. Um, I put the book away for a year like that. And then I went, you know, slowly got back to my life. And, and, um, and then it was a year later. And then it was like, okay, now we need to work on it. And, you know, then I started, I would always meet, the, the book always brought me to like people like you. I mean, it always brought me to people that were right for the book at the moment in time. Like I had, you know, I didn't have it in chapters and through, I won't go to the whole story, but through a series of, again, you know, sort of synchronistic events, I ended up um, sending the book to a guy who was an executive editor of a very respected spiritual imprint who does all um, nonfiction books. So he loved it. And he said, you know, I'd like to um, edit it for you. So I signed a six month contract and we spent six months and he, he was the one that put it into the chapters because I wouldn't even have known how to put it into chapters because it was, it was her story. But then I also had part of my story, which is the memoir of me, how the book came to me, what I got out of the book, which is now the epilogue and the prologue. But before that, in the beginning, I, I, at this point I had, I had it woven together. It was all these kinds of crazy things. And um, so um, it was really like different people that touched the book that brought it a little bit further. Like when I didn't know what to do with it because I didn't know I was going to publish it and I didn't know, I didn't know whether it was any good. I mean, I know Ritu mentioned like, I couldn't get anyone I knew to read it. Nobody would read my book. Um, and I think, don't think that's an unusual experience, particularly for someone who's writing a first book is that the people around them don't really see you as a writer and they don't really, you know, want to be bothered and even my family I still have family members that have never read my book and because it doesn't resonate with them and I understand that you know it really is a book of resonance and but it just sort of kept moving along on its own and finding people and Ted Turner touched this book at one point and I mean all these it really has had a little life of its own so I've just allowed it to kind of go where it wants to go and um and try to follow it as much as possible i mean it's been hard to do that because i'm very passionate about it it's um it, it, it's important to me and i you know when i was writing it when i first finished the first draft i felt like i was this great teacher i was like oh my god there's so many of these messages this is such an amazing book this is going to be you know on oprah and and like it's going to touch all these people and then you know then i got caught up in other things and then i realized that i wasn't the teacher i was a student <laughs> and I realized that everything I wrote about in the book that that was supposed to be helping and guiding people, I had to go through myself. So she took me through every experience in the book until literally this moment where uh, I won't go into the details of the book, but I'm sitting in Sedona. And that is that was a message in the book that I didn't see until it was time for me to go. Yeah, that's really interesting. You were the student and not the teacher. Um, I was a student and I thought I was, I thought at the time because it was such a, I mean, there's so much 
light when you're in the process of, you know, when you're in a synchronistic mode and you're either, no matter what you're doing, whether you're writing a book or you're doing art or you're in a job and you're just in that synchronistic mode where everything is flowing and, and, the, and the world opens up so that if you need something, it appears. And that's how the first draft of the book was. It just led me to it. So I felt this, this mystical connection to the fact that, you know, I was a teacher and I was bringing these messages to people that were really going to benefit from it. Um, and then during that period of time, I did go in, when I was dealing with my mother, I went into a very deep dark night of the soul. I went into some serious shadow that lasted for a long time and took me, um, and I, and I was not the best student. <laughs> I was angry and I was upset and I felt betrayed by, um, you know, what I had seen as a promise. But then, you know, slowly over time, when you surrender into those dark places, you realize that they're just bringing things up for you to look at and you just need to stop resisting the darkness that is coming at you and allow it to be embraced. And then all of a sudden, things start changing. And, you know, then I started going through the experiences that she writes about in the book and then I realized, oh, this was always about me. This was always about teaching me um, my journey. And then at the end of it, I was like, well, hopefully there'll be other people that are, have a similar journey. And so far, that's how it's worked out. You know, no matter what age, what race, what country, what religion, um, if you're of a certain frequency, you're going to relate to Addie Mae. Um, and, and that took me a long time. I mean, I, I was... Like I said, I was not the best student and I bitched and moaned a lot and whined a lot about wanting my life back. But, um, you know, I think when you start making these kinds of commitments, you know, it's not like writing a regular book. Um, I mean, I think people who write these intuitive books and whether they're channeled or whether they're just coming from your own heart and your own soul and your own experience that you want to share with other people so they they can relate and you can share your own journey to help support that person that may not have anyone in their lives that they don't really know what's going on. So it helps to have a book or a workshop or something that they go, Oh, that's me too. You know, that's me too. So that's what, you know, now I hope that people get out of it is, you know, okay, you know, I'm not alone. Like I may be going through a shadow period of my life and I may be going through all these changes and struggles and, and I may be going through this time that I really want to go inside deeper myself and figure out why am I doing the same mistakes and the same patterns over and over again. And this book can, you know, kind of give people a little direction. And, but I had to go through it myself first, which mm. I didn't know in the beginning. Right. <laughs> because does, does, I thought it was so brilliant. <laughs> oh, absolutely. But does any part of you um, feel that this process and this journey you've gone on with this book um came to help you um navigate that difficult period you described with your um looking after your mother um i think this all i mean i think our lives from the beginning have a certain i mean personally this is like a personal sort of it's a belief it's not a truth it's just a belief based on my own social conditionings and my own experiences. It doesn't really mean anything, but I, I believe we're all sort of born into um, 
a certain frequency, a certain timeline, a certain, so that if you just stay on that and you don't do anything, you're going to have all these experiences that are related to that timeline. And so if you change your timeline, if you say, I don't, and, and if everything's going great in your life, you don't want to change it. But if, if you're having patterns that you're making the same mistake, over and over again and you're attracting the wrong people over and over and over again and and you're um, you know going into the same positions maybe in work that you're not happy with I mean that's the time that you want to start really doing some deep work and find out what that is because you can go in and you can rework your frequencies um, through observing them and through being neutral to the emotional charge in them because we're all traumatized by something you know we're traumatized by our ancestral traumas that are blocked in our cellular systems, and we're traumatized by childhood issues that, you know, whether they were bad or good, you know, when you're like two years old and, you know, your dog dies, I mean, that's a big trauma for you. And that may be locked in your system in a way that you are not conscious of, and it's coming out in other ways of insecurity. So, you know, the hope is to you know, work with um, yourself and, you know, work with tools, whether they're books or workshops or, you know, counseling or whatever you do to help you get back into that place so you can identify those, those difficult um, blocks you have in yourself so you can begin to recognize them and not react to them. Because once you don't react to them, they start going away. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it's really hard if you're in a pattern and you're usually getting upset about the same thing. I mean, I have this kind of exercise I do when I start getting triggered by something like, and, and you know, you're being triggered by something because you're usually overreacting to some situation. So I'll look at my, my, I don't know why I pick my, my right hand. I, I look at my right hand. I go, is this true? And 99% of the time, the way you're feeling is not true to the experience that you're reacting to. Um, it's you're pulling back the pat you're pulling forward of something that happened to you in the past and you're reacting to the past but in a in a in a present way and you're going to make you, you you're going to go down the rabbit hole you're going to go into your same pattern response and it's just not going to end up well so if you can stop yourself and go okay it's not true um, then you look at your other hand and you go what is true and you think of something really positive oh you know i'm in this beautiful place i have you know i'm really safe I have people that love me around me. I'm, you know, connected to some amazing people. Like whatever you tell yourself um, that is positive because everyone has these positive things. We just tend to focus on the negative because we focus on fear. So if you just, and then, and then you take one small action towards that, that positive thing. And whether that is going out buying flowers for the house or calling someone and apologizing to them or whatever it is you'd be amazed how that shifts the whole energy and it allows you to move into a more elevated state of awareness and eventually if you keep doing that you will let go of that pattern that is not serving you anymore um, and that's you know i that was something that Addie may taught me in the book it took me a long time before i listened and before I started practicing, um, because, you know, we love our little dramas. <laughs> Indeed. So, and you gosh, know, there's, we there's, love our little dramas. There's probably, there's so many more things that I, that I, that I could ask, but I've got, I've got an, uh, one of my, one of my eyes on the time. Um, and one thing I also wanted to ask the both of you, um, oh. 
about was um, that favorite thing uh, of a, a lot of ours called marketing. You know, that thing we really love doing. Um, that thing which, and yeah, I heard you talk about your background, uh, Linda. I, I worked in sales in the city um, and I was kind of quite, you know, it was the people that kept me going. I was quite, kind of quite disconnected from the actual sales I was doing. But boy, in some ways, it uh, doesn't, doesn't feel as high stakes when you're selling for someone else. And as soon as you're selling your own stuff, it's like, oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> um, so I know, yeah, you, you, you mentioned some of the awards. Uh, Ritu, I know you've, um, uh, I know you've, you've uh, um, I, don't, uh, I don't know in, relate, if it's in relation to this specific book, um, but my understanding is um, you've gone to literary festivals and there's things you've done there. Um, so that and, and beyond that, what, what does marketing look like, I guess, for, for the both of you? Um, and perhaps Ritu, if you'd, you'd like to go first and feel free to take a moment to process and reflect. Mm -hmm. I know that's, uh, yeah, there's probably a few things in there. Uh, so, so I think I think of myself as an artist and I, uh, it's definitely been a challenge to market it. Um, so, when, so, so my book came out last, like early last year and uh, I think I'd put in a lot of like effort, <laughs> a lot of heart, a lot of like I feel like the book is like a little piece of my heart walking in the world. So it has not felt like, uh, it's just very hard to distance myself from it. Although I think after a year and a half, I feel a little more detached from it, which is a good thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think, so, so I, I think the book had an energy of its own, which, uh, once it came out, I think within a few months, I was nominated for uh, uh, for this award in India, which is co-presented by the United Nations. And um, it just happened. You know, somebody found the book and the award is given to the person, not just to like, you know, like one project or, you know, all, all of that. So it felt like all the energy I had put in the book had sort of materialized and that kind of just happened. So it, it was not something I did. Um, and then uh, as part of the award ceremony, uh, you know, I could apply to be a speaker. So they have like a textile conference. And uh, so one of my first <laughs> speaking was like, so I actually got selected as a speaker as well. And uh, I gave a talk about being sensitive to like 500 people who didn't know about <laughs> what being a highly sensitive person means. And it was like, um, so I feel like this past year and a half has been me getting really, really uncomfortable. I have been <laughs> more uncomfortable, I think in the last, you know, in, in the recent past than I have been for a long time, even though writing the book was a very uncomfortable, but it was a very private process. So it, it was, was being- It was inward, inwardly yes, uncomfortable yes. as opposed to externally exposed and uncomfortable. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So it, so, so, so I think uh, as, so I think as an artist, I feel like now, um, I do feel like, like, you know, like, like Linda, I do feel the book has an energy of its own. It does attract people. Uh, you know, it's brought up synchronicities. You know, some people have introduced me to some, somebody else and 
some things have happened. Uh, so those things have happened. Uh, but I do think that you do have to like uh, also put yourself out there. So are you, so you are also putting like your own uh, energy behind the book. Uh, so I feel like now, so, so, so I haven't had like a strategy to market it, but I basically pushed buttons. I have tried different things. Um, some have worked, some haven't. Uh, but I think it's been like a learning process. And um, I think just like, just like writing the book, I have let my intuition guide me. So I have tried to do what feels good to me, uh, that feels right to me. Uh, and I have also realized that most people don't really know <laughs> what they're talking about when they're talking about book marketing. So I think there are a lot of shoulds about marketing. But really marketing is about, I think, connecting. So I now I think of it as, you know, trying to connect my book to people. So I'm not trying to, you know, sell it to anybody who doesn't want it. I'm just trying, you know, I, I just want to put myself out there. And if people, you know, connect with me or connect with, you know, something about the topic, you know, they might be interested in the book. So I think my responsibility is to put more of my energy behind the book. And I have done things like, um, I've done like a bunch of things. I've, you know, so I've done a little bit of everything. So I've got a taste of everything. So I've done like, cross promotions i have uh, you know like I, I like on my website i give like two free chapters of the book uh, i have been i do guest blog posts uh, which i enjoy doing and you know they help me think deeply about what i'm writing so i've done a bunch of things um and i think i've just like you've got a newsletter as well haven't you too from your blogging sorry You've got a newsletter also, haven't you, from your yeah, yeah, blog yeah, that, yes. you, that you run? Yeah so, so, if, yeah. yeah, so if people want, like I blog at uh, walkingthroughtransitions.com so they can sign up for my newsletter and I, uh, I try to send like useful links for sensitive people, you know, which, which they'll enjoy. And uh, so, so, I, so I want to give people, I feel like marketing is, a, is a, not about forcing yourself on people, which I think for a lot of us, marketing gets equated with, you know, very aggressive sales personship. Uh, it's not that. It's just about offering what you have. And if people like it, you know, then they can, they can get it for themselves or not. So, but, but it's basically about reaching out, I think. Mm. So I think that's what, that's where I am. So I'm definitely not a marketer <laughs> uh, but I think I have just done like little little uh, things to support my book yeah yeah and also perhaps um I really like what you said and uh it's a helpful and healthy useful way for me to connect with marketing as well seeing it as a relationships and you know as much as you know in some days I would love to just sit sit on my own all day and just wish that people would magically come to me um my idealist self my my I, I, my idealism sometimes comes into play but actually um yeah just to see it as putting your energy out there for others to receive if they so choose it's just a really right. nice way of looking at it yeah and i think 
and this this is a realization I've only come to recently, but I almost feel like marketing is also helps. So so you know uh, so I would say like the book came through me, and I was a vessel for the book. Mm-hmm. And but I I almost now feel like by talking about the book, I'm sort of integrating it in myself in a really weird way. Like 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 I almost feel like um, it's a way for me to connect with people to be part of like a tribe of like sensitive people. Mm-hmm. So I almost feel like, um, you know, marketing is also that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. Ritu. Um, Linda, what about yourself? I know you mentioned some, some, some of the, some of the awards. So perhaps that that's part of your, your marketing. What does that, what does it look like for you? Um, well, it was interesting because, you know, I didn't know how to write a book. I didn't know how to publish a book, but I really thought I knew marketing because I come from a marketing and advertising and business development background. And, mm-hmm. and I thought that was going to be the easiest part. <laughs> but but uh, when I got to the marketing part, um, two things. One is book marketing is way different than any other marketing. And, you know, marketing your own creative product, it makes it very difficult. Um, so, um, you know, I, I, and again, like my first two years the book was out, I did very little because I was in the middle of caregiving. And the only thing I had time for um, was I entered, I entered the Nautilus Awards the first year and I won the gold medal in fiction. And I was told at the time that I was the only indie author because it was open for traditional publishers, the only indie author to win that award um, because they only have one fiction category, fiction. And Barbara Kingsolver had won it the year before for flight behavior and T. Geronimo Johnson had won it the year after me for Welcome to Braggsville. So, and that, that award is all about books that do good on the planet. So that was really important to me because I really want to do good on the planet. So that was the only thing I did the first year. And I didn't really do any marketing because I was taking care of my mother. The second year I was also, I had a little bit more time. So I just entered a bunch of other awards and I won all of those. And I think that, I don't know how well that did for marketing, but um, it helped me feel better because I had no idea if anyone liked the book at that point in time, because I could get barely anyone I knew to read it. So I went, okay, maybe the book is okay. And it gave me more confidence. And I think, you know, I think a big part of marketing is confidence. And, you know, us writers, particularly us sensitive writers, we don't have a lot of confidence for our own creative product. You know, we don't know. So that helped me. And then, and then I just, you know, I would stumble on the people who would helping me. And, and then I got accepted into BookBub um, for their promo. And it was really interesting because I had been applying to them for the spirituality and religion category. And I must've gotten turned down like three or four times because I felt that's where my book um, fit. And they had an African-American category, which I never thought they would allow me in because I'm not African-American. So one time I just decided, okay, I'm going to apply to that. And they accepted me as that. So I had, um, and that's when the book hit number one in inspirational fiction on Amazon. So I think from a marketing perspective, BookBub was by far had the biggest impact in a singular moment. Mm. um than than anything else and in fact i had an agent at the time and i've never had a problem finding agents i've always had a problem with publishers because they just don't know what to do with my book and i had an agent who actually seemed to be more more impressed that i was accepted by bookbub than all the awards i won 
um, because they accept very, very few people and very, very few indie published authors. And then, you know, I did a lot of, um, I mean, I think the biggest problem all authors have, but I think particularly independent authors are um, discoverability. You know, it's, we have a good book. I mean, I have a good book. It took me a long time to admit that, but I have a really good book and I'm sure Ritchie's book is really good too. And there are a lot of really good um, indie published books out there, but there are are a lot of not very good books. And there's a lot really not good books in traditional publishing too. So when you have something that you believe in, the discoverability is the hard part. And you know, we all have our atmospheres where we have our friends, we have our families, we can stretch it, we can ask people to buy it and, and, and we hire, hire a little marketing. I've done a little bit of marketing with you know, these Twitter things and most of those don't do very well. I mean, I think I've done one other one um, e-reader news, which I thought was not bad. Um, and you have to be accepted to that too, but it's not that expensive. And, and I felt like at least the book got out there and I got, I got reviews out of it and reviews really helped me. I mean, they, they helped me feel good for one thing. Um, and, and they also help other people understand the book because it's, it's a hard book to, un, to explain. And it's really explained to the experience of someone reading it. Um, but, um, you know, it's, it's trying to get the book elevated out of the morass of the millions of books that, that are published every year that are all different versions of good and bad. And again, like if it was a mystery, if it was a dystopian fantasy, there are very specific audiences that look for those kinds of books. And I would think as long as you have a good version of one of them, you have way easier because people read them and they go on, they want, and they're like, it's like candy, you know, they want more of those kinds of books. But when you're writing a book that does not fit into a specific genre and that, that requires people um, go deeper into themselves to read, it's not for everyone. And so you, you know, it's for me at this point, like I've covered my atmosphere. Like I'm sure the people that know me are sick of hearing me post about my book. Like I'm having a 99 cent ebook special right now for the holidays. And I'm sure they're like, oh my God, when's this going to be over? Because, you know, I go in my atmosphere and they've heard me for the last few years talk about this book and many people have read it. Some people haven't, but it's about um, how do you, once you saturate your own atmosphere, how do you reach into that next atmosphere? How do you get your book into a whole new world of people that, you know, like me reaching you and um, me reaching the woman in, in Japan and, and other couple other people in different countries that stumbled onto the book and, and resonated with it? How do I get it into these, you know, outside atmospheres? so that there's a whole new world that opens up. And I don't know how Redo experiences this, or, and even you as you work on stuff, but I find the further I go away from myself, the more interest people have in the book because they're not connected to me. There's no relationship to me. And it's amazing how, yeah, your friends will support you, but I find that, I mean, I get the most satisfaction from people that, who I have no clue who they are that have found the book in a way I don't know. Like I had one woman contact me on an email um, a few months ago and say, did you, she was in Minneapolis or something. I can't remember some other state. And she said, did you leave a copy of your book on my porch? And I said, no, you know, I am, I think I was, I just moved to Sedona. I said, I'm in Sedona. And she said, oh, she said, I found a copy of your book on my porch. And she said, 
you know, and I was wondering how it got there. And I, to this day, I don't know how it got there, but someone she knew must have put it on the porch. And it was just a note saying, I think you would benefit from this book. And she loved it. But like, that's the kind of thing is how do you, for me, how do you go past your atmosphere and get to worlds that you don't inhabit right now? And, you know, obviously a big part is like someone who's a celebrity or a high profile person reads your book, loves it, and then says, oh, everybody in my little world, in my atmosphere, read this book. Um, and I think every author has that dream of, you know, whether it's Oprah or whether it's even just someone who resonates with your book that has a bigger audience goes, I love this book, please read it. And that opens you up to a whole nother world. Um, you know, marketing is, of a book is, it's not easy. And I think it, particularly if it's not a book that has a, almost a traditional trajectory, like a, a, like a traditional genre um, that is easier to, for people to understand. Um, but it's, and, um, but, you know, but marketing for me has been, has turned out to be the hardest part um, because, you know, like Ritu, like I'm an artist at heart and artists aren't very good. Um, even with my background in marketing, it's sort of, I don't want to, you know, I, I, I've, it's taken me a long time to tell people the book is good and to be able to stand in front of even even be able to sit here and speak about it is it, it's i couldn't have done this when the book first came out i was terrified i didn't know it was any good i didn't know whether anyone would be interested in it i didn't want to feel like an idiot and you know it was only after you know i won the awards and i got the the, the book club and i started getting a lot of reviews that were really positive and i went oh you know maybe it's okay, you know, maybe I should support the book a little bit more. And then once I made the commitment to it, I'm like, I'm all in now. And I, I've take, taken my ego out of it. And for me, I'm just a steward and I'm doing my best to try to get the book out there to as many people as possible. But I think marketing is a moving target. And I really think it depends on the book. It depends on the genre, depends on your resources, depends on who you know. Um, but um, it is a, it's a lifelong journey, I think, once you, once you start writing books. It, it really is. And I think it takes, uh, you know, it's so easy for us to draw upon um, uh, the tangibles and, and the rationals and the logicals, uh, get it to this celebrity and they'll share it or bookbub to Amazon that those, you know, these spikes that we talk about. But I think I, um, I've realized yeah. that this um, being in this, uh, I guess world where we're being paid for our, our writing um, is a long-term, like long-term view. Uh, and I, I think of uh, my energy as little droplets that I'm putting out there to, um, to slowly, to slowly <laughs> grow. And I honestly remember I, um, I started uh, the, my, my podcast in, I think it was February uh, of this year. And I remember literally oh, okay. the first week or two was I got maybe five or 10 listens. Um, and now um, I'm getting like uh, 250 listens. Oh, and it's nice. super cool to see how that's slowly, slowly crept up. Um, and that's at yeah. 250 at time of recording also, because this is going out slightly later. We're in December, 2020. Um, but I, and I, I, um, it, it's useful hearing you both talk about 
distance being quite useful because I'm, you know, planning a little launch for the, for the book of which this comes, one of these conversations is part of it. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to just take a easier, so like a long, more of a long-termist kind of view. And um, I still actually have to re- keep reminding myself. I remember a year and a half ago, um, I, I wasn't, I, I had, I had very few subscribers and I got a subscriber once in a blue moon. Um, and now they're trickling through more consistently. And I need to remind myself, you need to treasure each one of these people and not get so complacent and not be after the next milestone and more, 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 because this is an individual like soul who has invited you into their space. Um, and this is, again, perhaps we need to hold on to, um, these little, um, these little nuggets, like, you know, the lady you got in touch with you, Linda, or, um, you know, emails that I'm sure you get read to. Um, so, so yeah. Um, this has been so I, fun. Um, I think it's about creating relationships. You know, yeah. I, I think a lot of this is about creating relationships. It you know, it's, it's all about relationships and it's all about, I remember like I was telling we too yesterday, we had a quick chat and, and when I was just in the process of, I hadn't, wasn't even publishing yet, but I, I knew this woman who had published a bunch of books and I was, you know, when, whenever you're writing a book, you just have all these visions and dreams about what you want this book to be. And she sat me down and she said, Linda, um, you know, she had read the book. She had a beautiful book, but she said, I want to let you know, publishing has a long runway. And she said, don't get discouraged because you will be on the runway with this book for a long time before anything happens. And a lot of it is, you know, how long before you give up, you know, how long before you decide, you know, so it's about how, what kind of passion do you have for your own product? And, you know, most people are going to read multiple, write multiple books. So every book that you write then becomes another, you know, conduit for every other book you've written before. So I think, you know, people who write multiple books have way better situation. Momentum builds momentum. Um, and again, the advice, and I, I, I know you've got one, uh, Linda, um, like a mailing list, like the email list, I think is the, uh, I think is a core component of anyone who's in this for the longer run. Um, and a way of uh, mm-hmm. building that connection and building that relationship. Um, I'm conscious we've gone over the time that we'd planned. I'm being called for dinner. Um, so my mum could burst in at any moment. So before that, before that <laughs> might happen, before that might happen, I'm being completely serious. Before that might happen, um, I just want to make sure anyone listening to this, um, Ritu, I think you mentioned yours earlier, walkingthroughtransitions.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. you've got your social media profiles on there also, haven't you? Yes, this is, yeah. So they can find everything about me and how to get in touch with me if you would like. So all my social media is there. And if you would like to, and if you sign up for my newsletter, you will get to, yes, two chapters of the book. Amazing. But yeah, everything is on there, basically. Fantastic. Thank you. And Linda, where can folks find you if they're listening to this or, or watching this and they, they want to find out more about you? Um, I have a website, um, lindapalio.com, and you can go on the Amazon page. I have a lot of information about the book on the Amazon page, and I have all the social media. I've got, I got it all. I got Instagram and Goodreads and Facebook and, and, uh, and Twitter and LinkedIn and, I mean, all kinds of other things. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm pretty easy to find out there in the world right now. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, 
And once again, I really appreciate the both of you doing this. I would really encourage anyone to check out both of your work. Um, I was very intentional about the authors I invited to take part in a, um, a written interview for the indie author. And I also know that both of you were kind enough to write an additional kind of uh, segment uh, charting your writing journey, um, going even more deep and even more personal. So yeah, um, uh, thank you both for being involved in the book and also for being so generous with your time and just being so, uh, I guess, so honest and open um, about your story and your books and you know everything else. I really appreciate it. And I'm really looking forward to reading your book when it comes out. Oh gosh, don't 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 say yes, that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But no, thank you. Yeah, of course. The pressure is on. The pressure is on. Well, you know what? Isn't too much pressure, but um, I, yeah, I think as you get close to it, you think more about it. Um, but I, I moved the deadline back, <laughs> and I'm just trying to distance. Honestly, I'm trying to distance myself from it um, to a certain extent, <laughs> just because I know that it's yeah, it's very easy for me to energetically get wrapped up in all this stuff. Um, but no, of course, I. I I'm delighted that you're looking forward to reading it. And uh, yeah, like I said, I'm just very fortunate to um, have been able to connect um, quite organically with some, um, yeah, some amazing, some amazing people, writers, authors. Um, so yeah. And, uh, and actually this conversation and the other conversations I've had, because um, this, this is my first book has been really useful for me from a personal perspective. So, so thank you. I'm, I'll definitely be listening, probably listening to this conversation back more than once. Yeah. Thank you. Well, thank you so much. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. This podcast is an audio diary to document my writing journey and the conversations I'm having with fellow writers and creatives along the way. You can read my written diary and join my private newsletter by visiting www.indiewriter.net. My name's Jazz Hoti. Thank you for listening, and I hope to see you again here soon.